Today's book could be the most important book of the year. Hopefully not the decade, because I would really hate to talk about critical theory again. If everybody in the world read today's book, we would never have to talk about critical theory ever again. Hi, my name is Terence and I'm your host for Reading and Readers, a podcast where I review Christian books for you. Today, I review Critical Dilemma, the rise of critical theories and social justice ideology. Uh, Implications for the Church and Society by Neil Shenvey and Paul Sawyer. 582 pages published by Harvest House Publishers in October 2023. Available in Amazon Kindle for $21.99 and in Logos for $16.49. But I got it in Logos for the low, low price of $6.99, that's nearly $10 off, because every month I eagerly wait for Logos's free and deeply discounted books. And this book came up, and there is no other book that I have more eagerly awaited for than a Neil Shenvey book on critical theory. I first knew of Neil Shenvey from Vody Balcom's Fault Lines, a book on critical race theory that I reviewed in episode 9. From uh, Vody's book, I found myself in uh, Neil Shenvey's website, and I was floored by the thorough analysis of the many, many, many critical theory books that he reads. I knew then that if Shenvi ever decided to compile his knowledge into a book, I must read it. As good as anyone's articles, interviews, and seminars are, I find that the best way to make a case is still through a well-written book. But there is another author to today's book, and uh, that is Pot, uh, Pat Sawyer. Sawyer was in the banking industry for 17 years before he took a PhD in educational and cultural studies. He also wrote a dissertation on social justice. It seems that the fusion of these two men, Shenvi and Sawyer, has released an incredible amount of energy. Their combined powers of observation, subject expertise, analytical skills, and commitment to the Christian faith has made them, I would say, very dangerous men. Just as the emperor who wears no clothes can no longer walk around naked after a child tells the truth, so the reader can no longer be complacent or be outraged under false premises after Shenvi and Sawyer tell the truth on critical theory. Truth-tellers are very dangerous men. Critical Dilemma is divided into three parts. Part 1. Understanding. Part 2. Critiquing. Part 3. Engaging. The book begins with an honest and painful look at slavery and Jim Crow. This chapter disarms the social justice warrior. Here is outrage over slavery and Jim Crow. Also, this disarms the Christian culture warrior. Shenvi, why are you opening old wounds? Sawyer, why are you taking the enemy's talking points? The thing is that 
By, by starting with these uh, shadows of the past, the authors establish their credentials as unflinching truth-tellers. When people are ignorant of history, they become vulnerable. When good people hear of victims, well, good people would want to right those wrongs. And that is why many people turn to critical theory. So the question becomes, why is critical theory so effective in channeling this righteous anger such that it has spread through the government, schools, churches, and families? And what is critical theory and why is it so effective? Those questions are answered in part one, understanding. Later, the authors challenge the reader to say that these uh, critical theories do not go far enough. In fact, our righteousness, our Christian righteousness, must exceed the righteousness of these social justice warriors. But not in the way you may think, and I will explain more later. The thing about this book is that the authors take critical theory seriously. They don't caricature it. There is no straw man here. They are not trying to score points with their fans. They thoroughly went through the critical theory literature to find out what it says and have made a sincere attempt to present critical theory to us. How do we know that it's sincere? Well, number one, they quote extensively from the main proponents of critical theory. The who's who of critical theory is listed in this book. Number two, they state up front that the who's who of critical theory would deny being members of critical theory. <laughs> Shenvi and Sawyer refuse wisely to get into a fight over labels. The key here is to discuss ideas. And they show through these extensive quotes that if it walks like a duck, it quacks like a duck, at the very least, it's part of the bird family. And they cover this under the umbrella of a term they, they coined for this book, contemporary critical theory. And they managed to explain all this, even through the denials of, uh, of people uh, from their various books and uh, interviews and so on, and they managed to explain all this without imputing motives. They even have, surprisingly, a chapter titled Positive Insights, a chapter that lists positive insights from critical theory. And this is very important because we need to properly understand the appeal of critical theory in order to make a proper critique over it, which we will come later in part two. Now, what is the foundation of their efforts here? How do they think about, um, about their approach? And John Mills is their inspiration. I quote, and this is the quote they use in the book as well. I quote John Mills, who said, who wrote, He who knows only his own side of the case knows little of it that. His reasons may be good and no one may be able to no one may have been able to refute them, but if he is equally unable to refute the reasons on the opposite side, if he does not so much as know what they are, he has no ground for preferring either opinion. Nor is it enough 
that he should hear the arguments of adversaries from his own teachers, presented as they state them, and accompanied by what they offer as refutations. That is not the way to do justice to the arguments or bring them into real contact with his own mind. He must be able to hear them from persons who actually believe them, who defend them in earnest and do their very utmost for them. He must know them in their most plausible and persuasive form. End quote. And I can tell you right now that Shenvi and Sawyer, Sawyer's book is an illustration of John Mill's statement. They indeed are trying to present critical theory in their most plausible and persuasive form. Now, I'm sure by now, everyone listening is dying to know what is critical theory, this thing that has turned the world upside down. I mean, it's <laughs> rejecting racism is racism. Whiteness is wickedness. They are more than two genders. I mean, there's a lot of things that would have been unheard of 10 years ago, or maybe even five years ago. So, this, uh, this uh, critical theory... It's not a good label because many uh, would deny it. So, so Shenvi and Sawyer has formulated this grand unified theory of all the madness and they, has, and they have called it contemporary critical theory. And it can be expressed in four characteristics. Okay? So number one, the social binary. Society is divided into oppressors and the oppressed. White versus people of color heterosexuals versus homosexuals, Christians versus non-Christians, and so on. Hegemonic power. Oppressors impose their values, traditions, and norms onto society. For example, Christians see marriage as a one-man, one-woman construct thing and have imposed this value, tradition, and norm onto society. So that is uh, an example of so-called hegemonic power. Number three, lived experience. If you're a man, you need to shut up about abortion. If you're white, you need to shut up about racism because you don't have the lived experience of being a woman or a person of color. Lived experience is more important, is a more uh, accurate, true, better way of understanding the world uh, according to this uh, theory. Number four, social justice. We want action. We want to change the world. So if you don't speak up, then you are complicit in the injustice. So there is an active, there is not just a thinking about things. Okay, So that's a social justice aspect. Now, if you were quick, you would have noticed that I told you to speak up for injustice. But at the same time, I also told you to shut up because you don't have the lived experience to speak into the problem. And that is the lose-lose scenario you have as a privileged person. You can't do anything right. You should just cry and feel the pain, but you should not cry and make this all about you. So that is the reason why I like this book, because I just need to make sense of, <laughs> of what I see are clear contradictions. And, and Shenvi and Sawyer do a marvelous job in helping us understand. And there are so many things that I can understand about critical theory that I did not understand before. And once we understand, then we can critique it. In part two, the authors do not assume that readers share their faith. 
the reader may be a Christian, or he may profess to be a Christian but doesn't know what is Christianity, or may even be an atheist. The book is written for everybody. And so in the, in the critique part, they give a crash course on evangelical faith. Now, as a Christian, instead of seeing it as a mind-numbing regurgitating of what I already know, I see it as confirming that Shenvi and Soy and I are actually on the same page when it comes to the fundamentals of Christianity. Now, this is important because they will make their strongest critique of contemporary critical theory, not based on circular reasoning. For that, you can read Cynical Theories by Helen Pluckrose and James Lindsay. But they're not going through the circular reasoning uh, route. Instead, they'll make their strongest critique based on the Bible. And uh, this can be clearly seen in a rigorous, rigorously argued chapter that compares the four characteristics of contemporary critical theory, which I uh, listed just now, against so those four characteristics and they compare it against what we believe as Christians. And the, what the authors say here, no Christian can ignore. So let me quote at length the summary of that chapter. So after they have gone through an entire chapter of that comparison, this is the summary of uh, the comparison. They write, I quote, Contemporary critical theory is skeptical of singular narratives and universal truth claims, viewing them as bids for power. Yet, Christianity is itself a singular narrative of redemption and makes numerous universal truth claims. Contemporary critical theory exalts live experience and downplays objective reasoning as masculine and Eurocentric. Yet, Christianity argues that our hearts are sinful and that our fallible interpretation of our lived experience must be subordinated to God's revelation in Scripture, apprehended through reason. Contemporary critical theory views privilege as collective and rooted in oppression. Yet Christianity recognizes that some norms are God-ordained and that privilege is not necessarily unjust, although it should be used to serve God and bless others. Contemporary critical theory posits, posits an adversarial relationship between different genders, classes, and ethnic groups. In contrast, Christianity insists on fundamental solidarity between all human beings and a non-negotiable familial relationship between Christians. Finally, for all these reasons, contemporary critical theory is rightly viewed as a worldview or meta-narrative. It is not a narrow analytical tool. It makes sweeping assumptions about human beings, purpose, lived experience, meaning, morality, knowledge, and identity that inevitably bring it into conflict with Christianity. This is what I meant, end quote, this is what I meant uh, by, uh, earlier by our righteousness must exceed the righteousness of the social justice warriors. Their analysis, okay, the social justice warriors analysis of the human condition is wrong and the solution is flawed. But look at their zeal to change the world and the way I see it, Christians, we have the truth on our side and we should be more zealous 
for Christ. Okay, so we should be more righteous. We should care more for the things that 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 they burn for because they care about injustice and so on. And so do we. Now, I wish I I had more time to discuss each point in that summary, and I'm not sure how much you can get just by those one-liners. But I stress it's a it's a summary. In the chapter, Shenvi and Sawyer make really good points. They pile on the evidence. They draw on, so to speak, written testimonies from, from people who are proponents of critical uh, theories. And when we hold them against scripture, their own words condemn them. And this approach is true for the whole book. In fact, I had a hard time preparing this book review. I wanted at first to go through the flow of the arguments in the book, but I found it so difficult to summarize it without turning it into a dry and boring outline. So I just tried to take up the pieces and share the, some of the nice bits and also just try to convey to you um, the, the, the approach, the general approach that I take. So for at this point, you know something about what is in part one, understanding, and part two, critiquing. Now, what you may not yet fully appreciate is that this book is a masterclass on how a Christian deals with controversial topics, even dangerous ones. You see, some would accuse Shenvi and Sawyer of violence, and thus would mean they could, uh, those people could reciprocate with violence. And the reason is because Shenvi and Sawyer dare to question what others hold to be true and, in a way, sacred. So, this is a dangerous subject. And the clarity that Shenvi and Sawyer bring to the topic is outstanding. I mentioned a few times the part one, part two, part three, understanding, critiquing, and engaging. And I think that this should be the layout for any controversial topics. And I got one right now. I would like someone to write a book on anti-Semitism. I don't understand why anti-Semitism is still so prevalent. Why can't societies shake it off? So if someone would write a book in this format, understanding what anti-Semitism is and critiquing based on what the Bible says and engaging, I think it's doing the world a big favor or at least doing me a favor. So I like how the organization is so clear and so effective. Another thing that I like about the book is that it's a masterclass in reasoning. I would not be surprised to find out that Shenvi and Sawyer were both world-class debaters. Um, they, they handled the arguments very well, and not only that, they very cleverly reveal poor arguments. So very quickly, I'll give you one example. Bulvarism. Never heard of that before. But bulvarism is when you say something, you state something is true, but instead of explaining why your statement is false, your opponent imputes motive. So um, Shenvi and Sorry give some examples. They write, do men argue that abortion is immoral? That's because they're trying to control women's bodies. Therefore, their claim is false. Do white people think we should be polite? That's because they're trying to police the emotions of people of color. 
Therefore, their claim is false. Do Christians claim that homosexuality is sinful? That's because they're trying to protect their heterosexual privilege. Therefore, their claim is false. End quote. Now, until I read this book, I didn't notice this pattern. After reading the book, I see it everywhere. And I can see books that is fully built on this premise, this uh, false argument, that the reason people make certain statements, so instead of focusing on whether the statement is true or false, they say that it's false because the reasons are bad. Okay, So they want to protect their privilege. They want to police the emotions. They want to control women's bodies. And therefore, the claim is false. So, the book, this is only just one example. Uh, Barbarism, there are other examples where they point out flawed arguments. And the book has so many of this, and which means that in the wrong hands, this could make you a very, not a, not a nice person to talk to. <laughs> because if you're able to point out arguments, you're telling people how their arguments are flawed, uh, nobody likes the guy okay, who does that. And that is why part three of this book is so important. Part three is engaging. It's a, it's a shorter section of the book, but a crucial one. You see, it's not enough that we understand contemporary critical theory. It's not enough that we can see how Christianity offers a true description and a true solution to the problem, or that we can even detect the flawed arguments <laughs> from the opponents. What we really need to do is to engage. Okay? But it's not that easy. And I'll just show you one example from the book, okay? That it's an example that at first sight, it could trip you up. Consider this statement. Justice is part of the gospel. Do you agree? I say it again. Justice is part of the gospel. Now, just just thinking about that, surely the answer is yes. (laughs) But, But we ponder it a bit more. It depends on what you mean by justice, right? Now, if in your mind you're thinking about the gospel and assuming that you actually know the gospel, then when you hear the word justice and the gospel, you're you should be thinking about God's justice. So we have man who sins, Jesus who saves, and we have glory to God. Okay. But if in response you say that is justice in a religious sense, what about justice in society? There is so much justice in society, injustice in society. Surely Christians, the church, the gospel has something to say about that. And that is where uh, what Shenvi and Sawyer have here uh, is, has to say is so important. Uh, let me quote from them. The key point here is that seeking justice is an imperative. It is urged on us as God's command, uh, as something we ought to do, as a moral obligation we ought to fulfill. But these are all imperative statements. We therefore need to be exceptionally careful not to intermingle seeking justice with the gospel. We would rightfully shrink back from saying that sexual purity is part of the gospel, or financial stewardship is part of the gospel, or pro-life activism is part of the gospel. 
not because these activities are wrong, but because they cannot save us. They are not the good news of God's redemption in Christ. End quote. Now, it's so important that we hear this. So important to hear clearly that we do not minimize seeking justice. But at the same time, we do not conflate that with the gospel of Jesus Christ. No matter how well-intentioned we may be, the, the pastor, the leaders of the church may be, we need to keep the gospel of Jesus Christ um, clear. All right. So as we go into the conclusion of uh, today's uh, book review, let me conclude by asking the question, who is this book for? Well, the book is for every Christian. This book should be in every seminary, every church library, and every pastor's study. The church cannot afford to get critical theory wrong. And many of us, I would say, are blinded by good intentions. Is that the right way of saying it? But we think with our heart and not really thinking biblically and not thinking beyond what is in front of us. And that can create a lot of trouble and, more importantly, lead us astray. The danger that uh, Shenvi and Sawyer see in critical theory is that it can become so attractive and supposedly so effective that people think of it functionally as another gospel. Now, if you say you can be a Christian and at the same time hold to critical theory or parts of it or variations of it, then <laughs> read and weep because <laughs> you can't do it. <laughs> but the highest praise I can say for this book is this. If you are a critical theory activist, then Critical Dilemma is the book you need to destroy. If you can make a winning argument against this book, you have cut the legs off your opponents. You have won the war. The tragedy is, if Shenvi and Sawyer are right, the contemporary critical theory activist is not in a war for truth, but a war for power. And until we understand this, we will not be able to make sense of critical theory and the world today, nor do we know how to respond to it. The thing is, the emperor is wearing no clothes. Critical theory is a vacuous, empty framework. It cannot bear the weight. Who dares to tell the truth? Shenvi and Sawyer are here to tell you what every Christian needs to hear. This is a reading and reader's review of Critical Dilemma. Uh, Dilemma the rise of uh, critical theories and social justice ideology. Implications for the church and society by Neil Shenby and Pat Sawyer. 582 pages published by Harvest House Publishers in October 2023. Available in Amazon Kindle for $21.99 and in Logos for $16.49. But remember, I got it for $6.99, $10 cheaper in Logos. Because every month, I just wait 
for the free books and deeply discounted books. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye.